Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, here with your other host, Richard Geiger. Hello. We are ecstatic to have you with us again, and today we have a fantastic gentleman joining us. Mr. Billy Earhart is a musician, a Grammy Award-winning musician, in fact, who is a man that tickles the ivories. You don't get to hear that too much anymore, but uh, thank you so much for stopping by and talking to us. Thank you, guys. Kenny, Richard, appreciate it. Glad to be here. We are just more than ecstatic anytime we get a chance to talk to somebody in the music industry, especially somebody that has uh, stories to tell, some experiences that we might not uh, be privy to. Uh, and that's kind of uh, kind of why I'm, I'm I'm excited about that. You've got you've got some you've got some history on this, and I am I'm curious. But let's start at the beginning. What got you into music in the first place? What uh, what lit the fire of creativity under you? Uh, I'm going to have to say back in the late 50s, I was just a kid, about, uh, uh, I was about uh, five or six years old, and my parents uh, talked me into taking piano lessons, and um uh, my dad played saxophone in a couple of bands around in Tullahoma, Tennessee, where I grew up. And uh, my mom also played a little bit uh, just from playing in a high school band, uh, clarinet, and he dad played sax. But Kind of a musical a, family. Had a piano in the house, and I just kind of took to it naturally when I was little because it made a lot of noise I guess but <laughs> uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and Floyd Kramer were two uh, kind of uh, inspirations for me back then when I was just starting off in the late 50s early 60s and then Booker T and MGs came out in mm. uh, 61 62 from Memphis and got uh, interested in the organ, so I was playing organ and piano, so that's what I still do. And but, you uh, you play a lot of uh, of like one of my favorites, like that, that Hammond organ, right? Yeah, I'm a Hammond organ uh, uh, endorsed artist. Uh, go on the Hammond page, and I got a got Billy Earhart page on there, but the... Uh, Hammond organ is uh, my favorite. I've got a nice portable one I use now. It's the big ones. They're so heavy. I've still got it, but uh, I I don't take it out on the road too much. But I've got a nice uh, portable. It's like a portable B3 organ. And a nice big uh, 88 key rolling piano. That got me going when I was a kid, you know, I'm playing in little bands around uh, town there in Tullahoma, Tennessee at uh, little church dances and little school dances and stuff, private parties. Yeah, that B3, that B3 has a a singular sound. It's really kind of amazing thing. I've always loved the sound of that. Yeah, it took a few years before I could get one of those. I started off in a little 
combo organ, a little farfisa, uh, a little Italian combo organ. It's a, I use them on a lot of different soul records and blues type things in the, in the 60s when they came out and it really sound, got a really uh, little uh, transistor sound. But uh, I love that big Hammond sound with a Leslie speaker. And then they simulate it now, so it's, you ain't got to carry so much around, but the digital things made it a little easier on us old guys having to tote the stuff, so. <laughs> so uh, how, much, how much do you think, you know, growing up where you grew up influenced not only your obviously that your family wanted you to kind of take the lessons and get into the piano but like all the music that you play now and then using the Hammond uh, as like one of your favorites or one of your primaries how much do you think growing up or what do you think about where you grew up having influence on how or what you play I think hearing listening to uh, the radio format that they had Back in the early '60s, where they uh, uh, they were just starting to play a lot of soul and R&B stuff on the top 40, a lot of the Stacks and Muscle Shoals records were becoming popular, and they were they were top 40 records. And hearing that stuff uh, definitely influenced me when I was, you know, a teenager, and. Uh, still inspire me today but uh, lucky to have gotten to meet one of my heroes from back in those days uh, Spooner Oldham the uh, keyboard player from Muscle Shoals and a good friend and he uh, now he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and played with a lot of folks Neil Young, Bob Dylan uh, played on uh, Aretha Franklin records and Percy Sledge, When a Man Loves a Woman. He played a little Farfisa on, on that record. Really nice. Mustang Sally, Wilson Pickett, he played on that stuff. Wow. But uh, he was a big inspiration too, as well as uh, Booker T. <clears throat> and uh, Floyd Kramer. I was going to say, I can listen to Booker T and the MGs for a good long while. Don't really get tired of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had a lot of nice little uh, soulful kind of bluesy R&B up-tempo rock and roll type uh, instrumentals, you know. Mainly so, featuring the organ and they had a handful of nice ones. That they did. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved with the uh, with the amazing rhythm aces? Well, I was got out of high school to play in a little garage bands, and then when I got uh, running through high school for three years, I was playing in uh, a band from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and they had nightclub work, and I, they. I was sneaking in and playing underage, you know, and uh, even went on the road with them. I'd have to get my uh, permission from my parents. 
<laughs> they had the monopoly. Anyhow, they had huge crowds. They had four or five hundred every night, you know. Wow. And people were partying hard back in the seventies. I promise you that. <laughs> but, um, we had a good band, and um, Russell Smith, um, who was a singer in the Amazing Rhythm Aces, at the time he was looking for a band. He came from Knoxville, Tennessee, where he was living, down to the Muscle Shoals, where we were, and uh, heard our band, and went back, and then sent word to us that uh, if we wanted to quit what we were doing, making decent money, and come to Knoxville and try to start a band, and work on original material, try to get a record deal come on so actually the whole band quit and left the singer (laughs) he wasn't too thrilled about it Uh, his name was Tolly Lee bless his heart he died a couple years ago great singer and uh, he had some little 45s back in the 60s with his band uh, uncalled for uh, Do Like Me was a little 45. It's on YouTube, but um, anyway, we went up there to play with Russell. Uh, did it for a few weeks, and everybody split but me. They all said, I, it's, there ain't no gigs. I'm tired of this rehearsing. Mm-hmm. I want to go home. They went on back to Alabama, and I stayed. And uh, so then we got a bass player and a drummer that had played with Russell before, and they were up in Canada playing with Jesse Winchester, who's a pretty famous artist. And he was a draft dodger and was living in Canada, you know, back in the... Late 60s. Anyhow, uh, Butch McDade on drums and uh, Jeff Stick Davis on bass. They they came to Knoxville, hooked up with me and Russell Smith, and uh, we went to Memphis, Tennessee, Sam Phillips Studios to record because our friend Bert Burton was a uh, uh, studio manager and engineer and house guitar player there. He was from Knoxville and knew the guys. And uh, so we started recording 73. And uh, we did it uh, for a couple of years. And then about 1975, Sam Phillips' son, Knox Phillips got uh, got us a record deal with ABC Records Third Rate Romance for a little 45 and uh, they put it out and uh, they told us that they'd even tested it on a computer back in those days you know it's probably big as a house you know like an antique or computers or whatever in a Univac. Mm-hmm. 
That's hard to do. Uh, 
Sounds like you were the go-to guy. Uh, I don't know. It might be just crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, we want to want to get back to the the Grammy question. Like we have Grammy questions in just a second too. But um, when you were on that initial, you know, kind of set of tours, when you were with a lot of bands, like on that first album, was there any band or artist or you know any group that you were with that you were kind of like? you were in awe of or it was like the moment kind of hit you when like man i we're here with these guys was there any one in particular that was like that i had several uh, moments like that that just uh you know you just almost get speechless you know um uh, we we did a thing for jimmy carter he was president it was pretty cool you know i'm just it's so nice to us but uh, willie nelson Waylon Jennings, those guys, uh, uh, Leon Russell, and Jimmy Buffett. He was really, really nice to us. He, he was on the same label as us, and he had just, he had a hit, Margaritaville, the same time we did, and we toured together. We did like 150 dates all over the country. We opened for him, you know. Yeah, but, he uh, he was a hard one at the time. He his sound didn't neatly fit into any one particular genre. Yeah, and we 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 were that way too. We we would play blues and tropical sounding stuff and rock and roll flavored stuff and soul and R and B and country and bluegrass. We liked a bunch of it. And uh, he and uh, Russell Smith wrote that way. He wrote a bunch of different styles, so we just went with it, you know. And uh, Buffett did too. He was a little more tropical than we were, but he was really nice. He had us over to his house. And I tell you, uh, the Eagles is another one. We we did a the long run tour uh, with the Eagles. And uh, got to go hang out at Glenn Fry's house. And that was pretty cool. And uh, just, and our friend uh, Dr. Hunter S. Thompson lived out there in Aspen. We used to hang with him. Uh, actually, it was Woody Creek, just outside of Aspen. We'd hang with him for days at a time. Doing God knows what I can't tell on this podcast. <laughs> you were playing parcheesi, uh, yeah. maybe a little bit of uh, table tennis. It was it was all wholesome, completely wholesome. Couple cup of cups of coffee here and there, you know, nothing too crazy. We were drinking heavily and <laughs> snorting something. I'm not sure what it was, but it it was uh, <coughs> great back in those days. Poor Hunter killed himself on my birthday a couple of years ago. Yeah. Great writer. I got him to sign a couple of books for me. He said, Billy, you know I don't like to do this. I said, I know, I know, well, do it for me. He said, okay. I gave him, I think it's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and he said, uh, do 
Grant's comp And then I didn't even look at it. He gave him the other book. Dear Billy, you still owe me for the smack <laughs> on Grant's comp <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a sounds like a good time. <laughs> well, the best thing would be to uh, have had three books. You had the two that, that he wrote, and then sneak in one that somebody else wrote. <laughs> yeah. And he signed this Dr. Seuss book for me. That's right. Uh, so we were talking about the, the Grammy a little bit. This is, this is always something that the public only sees one side of. Um, you know, we see the award shows, and occasionally you hear a little bit about what it means to win whatever award, whether it's a Tony or a Grammy or an Oscar. And, you know, recently uh, there's been a little more light on the back end of things like the Oscars and what it means to have to campaign to win an award like that. Are the Grammys kind of like that or are they more more um, set up in a different manner? How, how does it work? Did you know you were uh, up for a Grammy, you know, like well in advance? How, how, does, that, how does that work? Well, we knew we were nominated because we, they've got uh, they've got a, a Grammy chapter in Memphis where we lived, and it, it could have been the, the Memphis chapter helped get us on the ballot. You know, because voting members have to nominate. You got a bunch of people get get nominated, and they call it down to five. But uh, we didn't think we had a chance in hell and weren't even worried about it at all. Uh, it's like country group and it was, you know, like the Oak Ridge Boys or uh, uh, Gatlin Brothers. Uh, that was a whole lot of groups back then at all in the country field be surprised there was very very few hmm. uh, just like you know like three guys or something I guess I'd call that a group but anyway we uh, we were playing a show in Springfield Missouri that night didn't didn't watch the show didn't know anything about it didn't check on it Nobody did. And the next morning, like about seven or eight in the morning, our manager's representative, uh, friend Los Angeles, called me. He couldn't get anybody else to answer the phone. He called me. He said, guess what? You guys won the Grammy last night. I said, you're kidding said no I said damn do we all get one he said yeah but uh, it'll probably be a couple of months or something before you get them I said oh okay does this mean anything he said yeah you'll get some press out of it you'll get some good promo plus the record company will add a little sticker on the two stuff to jump album contains a Grammy award winning and it's not in sight sticker they're going to put on there, which 
will probably help sell some more albums, you know. So I said, oh, okay, cool. I'll tell the guys. And uh, I told them, you're shit, we won. You know, they didn't even believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I just have to have in my mind, I'm imagining, because you you watch these award ceremonies, and it's, it's always the same thing. Either they're there and they come up and they make their speech, or if unlucky enough or in a category that nobody cares enough about, it'll happen during the commercials and get edited out. But occasionally it's like, so-and-so could not be here today. I just have to, I've, I've got this in my mind. It's like, okay, they have no idea that they've won the Grammy or anything else. They're not there. Who's the one that goes up to accept the award? You know, they... Uh... They had Diana Ross. I saw the show. Somebody taped the show because we were out on tour. And we had Betamax videotape back then. Ooh. It was like uh, Honey taped the show. You know, we, well, we, we won't be able to see it. Anyway, they had Diana Ross just announce that we, like, they said uh, these... These are some other Grammy winners for tonight, and they just listed off some because they've got so many categories. Yep. That they they don't they only show just a handful, you know, on the TV thing. A lot of the pop categories get uh, more of the TV footage. Every now and then they'll have a one or two country things. They've just about completely taken the jazz and blues thing off the TV schedule. That's kind of You know, sad. and they got, you know, more uh, R&B and hip-hop and pop and rock stuff, which, you know, I mean, it's good, and they sell a lot of records, so, I mean, I understand, you know, but uh, it was another little thing we were glad to do with, uh, when uh, Russell Smith and the Aces, uh, when he was doing a solo thing, I fell into a couple other little gigs there. I was telling you about Al Green and uh, Memphis Slim, Big Don McMahon and the Memphis Blues Review. And then I got the Hank Williams Jr. gig. And I kept that for 21 years. And we got back and I was doing Aces too doing both of them man and um, but we got to do the Monday Night Football theme in 89 for Hank Jr. when he got the Monday Night Football thing are you ready for some football and we won an Emmy Award for that that's that's pretty cool I mean how many people can say that they were a part of uh, the the newer national pastime, not not baseball, but that that big football spectacle that everybody heard you every every time there was a game on TV. And I even I feel like even if you're not a football fan, like you're a side fan of sports in any sense, you know that song. Like you've heard that. Like that is a a very popular song. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, he had a he had a, a, a record. All my rowdy friends are coming over tonight, and they used that for the theme, and he just wrote new lyrics. 
Yeah, they 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 got, replaced that. that record. We got to record it with him, and we got to do the video. And thank goodness for the union because because of the signed signatory agreement, they had to pay us TV scale for the whole football season. Nice. Nice little taste. I was gonna say, like every every time that I played, instead of just the regular few hundred for the session, you know, it's more like a few thousand for TV royalty. So it was an extra nice little taste for uh, crazy hillbilly like me. (laughs) Uh, uh, They they replaced the song, you know, a number of years ago. I I haven't watched football in some time, but. They replaced it and with a couple different things, and it just it was never the same. It was just kind of it yeah. didn't have the same catchiness, the same impact that the Hank Williams song did. We did it a couple of years, two or three years, and then uh, then they decided if they get one guy to play all the parts on a synthesizer, then they only have to pay the one royalty instead of a six seven piece band so they they knocked us out of the picture and did the same song only it was like one guy playing the parts that's why it sounded kind of, different kind yeah. of ripped us off on that deal you know doing the same thing we did only it was just like one guy doing it anyhow uh, what a large a large company will do what they can to cut as much money as possible and stick it to the little guy while maintaining their own profits. I would never suspect such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do. That it That's is. That's what they live for. Oh. Uh, so we had a lot of fun doing the Hank Jr. thing and got to play with a ton of people at, uh, over the years from... Van Halen guys, Sammy Hagar, Kid Rock, to uh, a bunch. We toured with Waylon and got to play with him and back him up and Dickie Beds and uh, uh, some new country guys and different people that were opening the show for Hank. He's playing all these sold out Coliseums with 20, 30,000 in there, and they're open. Like uh, Georgia Satellites and Kentucky Headhunters and Alan Jackson, Restless Heart. Richard, don't don't hand me no lines. Just keep <laughs> your hands to yourself. Clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's what I had. So, of. Yeah, and we, after they came out, then. Uh, Hank saw how popular that song was at the time. They played the hell out of it on MTV, too, you know? Yes, they did. And he cut it. He recorded it, too. I didn't and like that. he used that to do it in the show every now and then, but <laughs> he quit doing it when they were opening. Uh, of, all the, of all these things, um, now, just this is musically, um, what do you think, we have the Grammy, you have the Emmy, you've had all these tours and performances and albums, uh, musically, um, what do you think your like best or greatest accomplishment is? Gosh, I don't know. I'm probably playing on 
special uh, experience. There are 23 of them. More soulful. A little bit more my cup of tea uh, flavored music as opposed to the Hank Jr. records. I, I did about 20 or 30 of them too, but I've really been enjoying here lately playing with uh, the last 15 years with this guy, uh, the Mule Man, Mark Massey. We've done about five albums. He's really good too. He's kind of like a Delbert McClanton and a blues R&B rocking country flavored type soul stuff, you know, original. And uh, you can do a lot of that hill country stuff too, like uh, R.L. Burnside flavored uh, Junior Kimbrough, kind of hypnotic one chord kind of groove stuff they, they do only in this uh, North Mississippi area. So if you like those, go ahead. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt there. No, I was just gonna say there's a bunch of different kind of blues, and uh, and a Mule Man can do a bunch of different kinds. He 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 can do the Albert King, Freddie King, BB King style, and uh, and he writes kind of in that style as well as the uh, uh, Delta and Memphis soul flavor type stuff. And uh, this gal I've been working with, uh, Regina Irby, she's really good too. Like a, uh, like a Bonnie Raitt meets Tammy Wynette or something, you know? Big Bonnie Raitt fan. I'm a soul country kind of thing. She's real good. Cut a record on them here before long. So what do you think? Of, what do you think about the? Um... What do you think about the change? You know, you're, you're working with these artists that have multiple genres that they go with, but uh, the country industry has really shifted over time, um, especially in the last 10 to 15 years. What what do you think about the, the changes to the industry? Are you pretty, pretty impressed, uh, intrigued by some of the changes? Do you feel that it's straying too far away from the original country to really be considered country anymore? You know, I really have, I, I, I kind of do think that. I, I, I don't really listen to the new country thing anymore. Uh, like you say, the last 15 or 20 years. Um, I like that old 50s and 60s style country, my favorite. If it's going to be country, you know. Yeah. And the 50s and 60s blues and soul stuff, that whole era, just about any style of music was pretty cool, you know. Even the rock and roll, you know, the Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee stuff, and Vest Domino, and a lot of the New Orleans flavored stuff I love. But the new country just really doesn't ring my bell too much. I mean, some of it's really good, but a lot of it... Uh, a little over, like overproduced, it. a little too poppy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little too poppy. Maybe the maybe it hasn't got enough story to it. There's mm. just not enough need in the songs, you know. A lot of those 
those ones like uh, I mean there's so much there's... Get, get in a truck drunk I was getting drunk you know <laughs> she thinks my tractor's sexy I mean <laughs> it's, it's like the same uh, four or five little things they'll jeans they'll say uh, yeah uh, I think we echo the same sentiment. Yeah. I do anyway. I don't. I don't really like to knock anything, though. No. You just never know what's going to happen. Well, and even even if you aren't necessarily into the entire, because the music industry is so cyclical in, in so many different ways, you just have to kind of wait for somebody else to hit that cycle. I know. Uh, I've. Country has never been my biggest love in terms of music. I'm more of a, a rock and roll, blues, jazz kind of a kind of a guy. But in recent years, I've been trying to look around to, to some of the stuff that I've missed. But like for for example, recently Chris Stapleton just just blew me away when I heard him. The the mix of country and blues that he's got and his voice. So there's a case. I love what he does. Yeah, I really like his stuff. I got some buddies. Uh... Michael Webb and uh, Robbie Turner played on his uh, last album that won all those awards. Yeah, they sound good and it's got some uh, intensity about it. Yeah. Uh, some of Jamie Johnson's stuff I really like too. He's got a his steel player. He used to play with Hank Jr., my friend Cowboy. So I've kind of get to hear I still have, I still have this thought, and I've thought this ever since uh, the old ZZ Top days. I always just have this this imag- imaginary situation where it's been a long tour, everybody's exhausted, you're on the tour bus, ZZ Top and just claps into the, the the couches or anybody that has that really long beard, and you get one guy that just thinks he's funny and ties the beards together. <laughs> 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 it's true. If he grew one, the other guys got to shave theirs off. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> that confused people real quick. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, there was a, a question that uh, Ken had written down here earlier. We talked about a lot of the the, the music that you listen to, and some of the things that is is your favorite, the bands that are your favorites, the current music. Is there an artist that, uh, or a type of music that we would be surprised, or people would be surprised that you listen to? You know, I, I kind of like everything. Uh, I'm not real wild about opera, but uh, I don't know. Some people might be surprised that I like uh, uh, accordion music, uh, Tex-Mex style. Even jazz accordion. Uh, I play a little accordion. I got two on a few amazing rhythm aces records, a couple of blues records. But, uh, that might be one that's somebody might not think. So you're uh, saying you're a Weird Al fan? I was going to say a Weird Al fan. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like him okay. He's funny. Yeah, he's funny, but... Uh, he's got some surprisingly good writing. If, if, you, if you haven't yeah, actually... Yeah, he's got some funny, funny little tunes. I got to meet him in Memphis one time. We did, uh, we opened for him at uh, one of the Memphis and May things in a band I was in one time, and uh, he would just start off, actually, I think... It was when uh, he had that Michael Jackson song, uh, Fat. Mm. It's like, it's heyday. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the video, apex right there. You know, where he dressed up. That was because my, my kids, I took my kids to see him too. And they were there. Although, personally, I'm more of a smells like Nirvana kind of a guy out of his repertoire. <laughs> yeah. That album was probably his best. At least in you know in 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 the nineties two thousands era person I am that's how it strikes me. Yeah. So we always ask, just kind of an unrelated question. We everybody we talk to because we talk to people that are just located all over the place. You're down in Mississippi. We talk to people in Kentucky and Ohio and Illinois and New York and California and Seattle. Food unites us. So we always ask pizza. What kind of a pizza guy are you? Are you a New York slice kind of guy? Are you a, a, a Chicago deep dish? Do you have a, a, a pizza that is your go-to pizza? I had pizza tonight. Yeah, just a homemade, uh, cheap, uh, like a tombstone, frozen, put it in the oven and cook it yourself. Uh, I like a Chicago, I mean, uh, New York style. I'm not a deep, deep dish guy. I mean, I'll, I'll eat it if it's free, but <laughs> we've had tons and tons of pizza. I mean, they used to get on the Hank Jr. thing after the show. Part of the deal, I think they had like 10 pizzas. I ate pizza so much. For years and years, I don't eat it quite as much, but I still eat it about once a week or two or three times a month, you know. But uh, I go for uh, like a uh, uh, pepperoni and sausage. Uh, Sometimes I'll get anchovies. Fishy pizza. Uh, Salty. Sometimes just a, a cheese pizza. I like pizza, though. <laughs> I think that's as yeah, good of like answer as we can really Everybody get. Loves oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Although I'm more of a Red Baron man myself than compared to Tombstone. Yeah, I was going to make a DiGiorno joke at first, and then you went ahead and said that you made the pizza yourself. It's like, ah, ruined. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not the only, the only question we often ask, but, you know, we've been talking about so much music why don't we flip-flop it we usually ask our writer friends and our artist friends what music they listen to when they're creating something new what about we go the other direction you create music is there anything that you watch or anything artistically any, anything that kind of inspires you when when you're putting something together you know when i when i'm trying to write something i mean i'm a songwriter i've had a few cuts uh, amazing Rhythm Aces and Hank Jr.'s Bama Band four or five other records but 
anything in particular, just kind of like, uh, you know, giving childbirth or something, mm-hmm. you know, it's like... It's no wrong answer. It's, you know, it's, it's got to come out, you know, it, you know, here it is. You know, the head's popped out, you know, I got to... It must be done. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'd have to say coffee. <laughs> that is Coffee's the... my big inspiration these days. I, I used to drink a lot. And uh, uh, 26 years ago, I got sober. So, uh, the last few years, well, the last 26 years, I've heavily been drinking coffee. Let's just put it that way. It is, it is the great facilitator of so many different things. It, uh, it helps me keep my mind focused on pretty good for what few brain cells I've got left. Are you a, a light roast or a medium roast or a dark roast person? I like a dark roast. Uh, I've got a... Uh, couple of coffee makers i got a keurig where we got the little uh little pod things uh, and i do a french roast uh, starbuck dark and then i've got a regular mr coffee kind of old school coffee maker that i've got uh espresso dark rich and caramelly <laughs> good to have a little bit of flavor in there well as uh, you got some creme brulee coffee stuff I use like a coffee Ooh. mate type liquid fancy yeah we can't we can't afford that, that that's that's a little above our budget <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just a couple of bucks it ain't much yeah, no it's yeah. not as we kind of wind things down I will come up end on one more big music question and uh, I, I've been thinking about this one most of the day so you've you've had so many really interesting experiences with so many bands the the bands that you played with the bands that you toured with there has to be at least one or two instances that stick out in your mind where there was just this instance this amazing solo on the guitar or this this bit of improvisation that you weren't expecting or maybe a crowd reaction that was just really really over the top or or something like that tell us about something if you can that kind of meets that something that just blew you away i've got to play for about four presidents that was always something that kind of blew me away just momentarily and then after about couple of minutes it wears off and it's like oh god when's this some bitch over you know <laughs> i can't wait for it to be over no it's, uh, uh i'd have to say some of the hank jr shows we did where some of the drunken ladies in the front yard in the front row thought it'd be funny to take their shirt off and chomp their bra up on the stage. A couple of nights, we had like about 25 or 30 of them. 
Sounds like you needed a, a lost and found clothes basket. It was kind of crazy, you know, and the crew guys were coming out there sniffing of them and stuff, and it was like, come on, man. I know I'm asking a hard one there, <laughs> going through decades of performances. I got to play with B.B. King one night in Memphis. That, was, that when uh, we did a 40-minute set, backed him up. A, a friend of ours brought him in. He had already done a show on a riverboat in Memphis, a Delta Memphis Queen or some kind of boat to have. That'd be pretty amazing. That was exciting. It was just his birthday, like the day before yesterday. say if, cool. if you're a musician and you're getting married who do you ask to play <laughs> who do you ask to play the wedding <laughs> uh getting a well, dj no thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with us tonight and share some stories and some insight thank you, and Richard. thank you yeah it's been fantastic and don't forget to, to check out uh his website or at least he has a section on the website what was the website that you're on again uh billyearhart.com that's right we, we always like to have that straight from the horse's mouth it sounds better than when i said it just uh, just not the same thing. Yeah. Speaking of which, you know, don't forget to check us out on social media. We are at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter, and we are just Pudding Guys on Instagram. And uh, well, not just Pudding Guys. We are at Pudding Guys on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, and on top of that, the most important, the bestest part, you can find us on Patreon. Help support the Pudding Guys for just a single dollar a month. You can help us keep the show going and find new people to interview and you know just include neat new stuff and we would love to uh see your input uh, and of course until next time keep eating your pudding that's a good ending right right no yeah. that's terrible
We're still working on the ending. Eventually, I, I figure that's going to be every every show. We're just going to, or well, I say we, like it's both of us. I'm going to mangle the ending, and it's just going <laughs> to going to die. Or we just keep doing random, 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 random. That, that's the goal. I figure we're talking, and we're just going to fade out. Yeah, that's what we're doing.